exciting episode of the rock show this is episode 151 and i would like to thank all the people that listen to us to the rodney spectrum show mike did a great job getting the information out there and this is a few months later but we'd like to thank you people for the excellent day we made it in 151 in canada we were uh 52 in europe and I'd like to thank all the people for supporting us and showing us this great review. But tonight we have a special show, which Mike put together, and we're talking about Arthur Alexander and Johnny Ace. So, Mike, what do you have for me? Let's get it okay. on. Okay, thanks, Rob. Uh, yeah, and and definitely thanks from me too to everybody out there that you know has been watching the shows, and especially the Ronnie Spector one. That show did very well. Uh, this yeah, show did, is another. We did great in Canada, you know that. Yeah, yeah, we, fantastic. We were never in the, we were never in the Canada rankings. I, I don't know. Over. <laughs> we're, we're, we're showing up. We're showing up everywhere, man. Everywhere. Uh, Canada, this, we hit the. We hit. We were forty. We were top fifty. We hit forty. Wow. So that's great. I gotta. I gotta thank the people in Canada. Thank you, Canada. Thank you for the support. But what you guys are listening to, can you listen to the YouTube channel? <laughs> Go to the get the Getting Lumped Up channel on YouTube. Hit like and subscribe, and you can help us out a lot. This episode is a fan-requested one. Um, the Rock Show podcast group page on Facebook is one that we you know use a lot every day. And I had, at the end of 2021, I had put in some requests for people to let me know what they'd like to see. And we did that, those shows in January, uh, two shows like that. And then now we're going to do two shows for March, uh, the first being this one. And we've got two requests in one show. Okay, what do you think of that? It's not bad, right? You know you know what I think of Johnny Ace? I think of Road Warriors Animal. Brother yeah. Johnny Ace, that's still in wrestling. He's a total douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, fir the first person we're going to talk about today is Arthur Alexander. And this was requested by uh, uh, Michael Sawaya, who's been a fan of the show for a long time. Uh, the very interesting, Arthur Alexander had a life that was, you know, kind of, 
you know, a short, unfortunately, passed away at the age of 53. Um, um, he was a music writer, and everybody covered him, every yeah. single person. Well, that's the, that's, that's the thing. He, he couldn't, he never it's quite incredible. could break through. Yeah, he, he never quite could break through on his own. But other people that covered his music, you all would know. Okay, uh, he they had way bigger success than he ever did with his own music, but he was a a blues. So the to Tina Turner, they all covered yeah. this, but I was shocked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's get right into it with him, and then we'll go over to Johnny Ace after that. Um, Arthur Alexander was born nineteen forty, May tenth, nineteen forty. And he was known as a, a country soul pioneer. Uh, you know, like I said, he so many people covered his music, everything from the Beatles to the Stones. Bob Dylan covered him, okay? Tina Turner, even Pearl Jam covered him, okay? Yeah. Now, he was born in Sheffield, Alabama. And back in uh, when he was about 20 years old in 1960, he was working with a company called Spar Music. Now, unfortunately, not a lot is known about this guy. Uh, early years, there, there isn't a lot of information. Um, so I, I, it, it was kind of hard to put a whole consensus together about him. But he's very interesting in the sense that, you know, a lot of people know his songs. But unfortunately, he really didn't benefit from it. But he was working in 1960 with a company called Spar Music. And he recorded a, a very kind of like gut raunchy single called Sally Sue Brown. And he cut and he recorded it under the name of June Alexander. June being short for Junior. Okay. Yeah. Um he recorded it for Judd Phillips, the producer, who was also Sam Phillips from Sun Records brother. Okay. And they, he had a label called Judd Records. That's what it was going to be put out on. Now a year later um, that, that single didn't make much of a splash, but a year later, he would record the song You Better Move On at the fledgling Fame Studios, okay, that were just starting out, Fame Studios. Now, they were located in a drugstore, above a drugstore, I believe, in, in Florence, Alabama. Um, of course, that studio would relocate later on to the famous Muscle Shoals, Alabama location. OK, uh, I believe the, you know, the Stones would record there a little bit uh, 10 yeah. years later. Uh, you know, the, uh, Leonard Skinner, you know, many people recorded in that place. Um, it came out, the song You Better Move On came out on Dot Records as a single. Well, and it right. It became a soul and R&B hit. All right. Yeah. It would. And but, you know, it really it would not cross over into mainstream uh, it would kind of linger in the, the R&B world, which at that time was still not quite, you know, known as well as what was going on in the, in the pop world. Now, but many people had their ears to it, the Stones, the Beatles, etc. Okay. And, um, you know, basically the, the, the Stones did a, an unbelievable version of it. Um, oh, yeah. The Stone version is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, now, I mean, even bands like the Hollies would cover it. George Jones, country music star. Uh, Johnny Paycheck, okay, would do it. Uh, Gene Clark, after he left the Birds and went solo, he covered that song. Wow. And, and uh, the famous Mink DeVille of uh, 
the 1970s CBGB scene would would do a very good version of it at his live shows and stuff as well. Wow. Yeah. Now, another song that was covered by many and first released by Alexander in 1961 was a song called Anna, Go To Him. Okay? And it was top 10 in the R&B. Did, did well in the R&B charts. But it wasn't until the Beatles recorded it that it became very well known. Um, in fact, the Beatles had three different Arthur Alexander songs in their set list for live shows at that time. Okay? So they were big fans right off the bat. Um, another fan of that song was Roger McGuinn from The Birds. And later on, uh, Humble Pie would also, would also cover that song. Humble Pie is a great band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they would do a good version of that. Now, in 62, Arthur Alexander recorded a song called Soldier of Love. And that was later a hit for Marshall Crenshaw and Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah, Pearl Jam. He wrote Pearl Jam covered that song, okay? Um, also, there was another song called A Shot of Rhythm and Blues, which many bands would cover. And that was recorded that year as well. There was a teen idol. That was part of the whole, you know, like kind of Fabian, Frankie Avalon era in the early 60s. Uh, his name was Steve Alemo, and uh, he recorded an Alexander song called Every Day I Have to Cry, which got to number 46 on Billboard uh, Hot 100. Uh, later, Dusty Springfield would do her version of it in the UK in 1964. Now, Dot Records would drop Arthur Alexander in 1965, but he would soon be picked up by the Soundstage 7 label. Um, he didn't have much success there for the first three years. He kind of languished on that label with not much coming out. Uh, but then he recorded the song, uh, a soul song called I Need You, Baby. And it's, you know, it's decent success proved that he still had it as far as a performer. Um but there were rumors about Alexander at this point. Uh, some said that he had like a strange mental disease, uh, very kind of like odd behavior and stuff like that. But then there were people that said he just liked to do acid. So, <laughs> you know, it could that could explain a little bit of acid. A little bit of acid doesn't hurt nobody. That, that could explain. That could explain a lot. I mean, you know, but. Uh, by 1969, he did a few more recording sessions, but nothing came out of it. Nothing was released. In 1971, he joined the Nashville, Tennessee-based Combined Music, okay? And that's where he got to work alongside some big stars like Chris Christopherson. Oh, yeah. Okay, he was involved with that. Uh, Warner Brothers would sign him, and he would record the song... Uh, uh, by Dennis Lind called Burn in Love. Now, you know the Elvis version of that, okay? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know that's a cover. Burn it actually, love, it actually is. Yeah, but but Arthur Alexander, you know, did it a couple of years before Elvis. Yeah. Okay, and he, uh, he released a self-titled full LP for the first time in 10 years around that time, but that didn't sell anything either. Uh, he would be kind of discouraged at this point after so many years of, of not breaking through. 
Um, he started to kind of give up on music a little bit. He, he would drive a bus to make a living. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And uh, he was staying out of the business for a couple of years. Now, in 1976, his song, um, Sharing the Night Together, would be recorded by Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. All right. Um, actually, it, 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 he wrote that song in 76, but it would be recorded by Dr. Hook in 1979 and that song would go top 10 it was it was a big hit for them uh and it kind of kept him going a little bit i guess he got some royalties from that but again he was still not fully back into the music business for a while um flash forward to 1990 okay he was inducted into the alabama music hall of fame and his interest because of, uh, you know, there was an interest kind of rekindled in his career because of that induction. And he decided to make a comeback in 1993. It took about three years to get it together. Uh, he recorded a new album called Lonely Just Like Me. Uh, it was his first <laughs> album. In, perfect, perfect title. His first album in 21 years. He signed a new record contract. He got a solid backing band together, ready to make a comeback. And he booked a national tour, 1993. Now, he debuted this the tour and the, the new band in Nashville um, on uh, June 10th, 1993. And three days he later, of a heart attack. Died of a massive heart attack. He finally I mean, made it. And then he dies. How fucking yep. crazy is that? It is. It is. And uh, it's a sad story, really, because he was very talented. Um, very, I mean, you know, you could talk to everybody from John Lennon to Keith Richards, and they loved his music. Okay. Mike, it's if just, he would have taken that album that he did, and that album would actually, it would have been a hit album, and people would have been talking to him since today. Well, posthumously, it did well, okay? And then, you know, since since the in the years since, there's been collections and sets that have come out that have done well. But you talk about a guy not appreciated really in his time, yeah. uh, at least as far as his own music, you know? People heard his music and said, wow, that's a great song. I'm going to do it. And then they would turn it into a hit, but it didn't do anything <laughs> I, for him, you know? And I gave him many... Why give him respect when you can steal it? Yeah, I guess. I guess. It's hard, but it's the business. The, it's the animal of the business. You know, that, that's the way it is. It's yeah. the same thing like the next guy we talk about, Johnny Ace, another guy, a great guy, but. Yeah. Got now, <laughs> yeah. Now, his story is, is, you know, in some ways even more tragic. Uh, he was kind of like his own worst enemy in some ways. Yeah. Um, and again, this was another fan request. Uh, this one by Eric Walter, another fan Johnny of the show. Johnny Marshall Alexander Jr. Right. Johnny Marshall Fucked. Alexander Jr., also known Fucked. as Johnny Ace. What's that? Fucked. <laughs> yeah, totally. He's another guy where he met him. Fucked. <laughs> Is this like, did this guy pick the fuck you black guy of the fucking month? Because these, these are black guys that would have gone down the history 
that's great nutrition. They all fucking, by the time they make it, you know what? By the time they learn how to play ball, the game was it, over. Yeah, they were done. I know. Well, you yeah. know, it, it, the music business, the music business, especially in those days, was, you know, cutthroat kind of stuff. Okay. If you weren't getting ripped off by promoters, you know, you were getting ripped off by people you're working with or working for. You know, it's just, it was a tough business and everybody, yeah. you know, really, uh, it was just cutthroat, you know. But Johnny, Johnny Ace. Well, no, before you start rocking back, I'll ask you a real question. A guy that's been yeah. around the industry, you see a lot of great musicians, you've been to a lot of great shows. Yeah. At the end of the day, do these guys kind of get fucked just because the music start getting good and they actually become somebody and the the, the people that publish the music or just the people that gotta pay them, do they kind of get fucked at the end of the day, Mike? Sometimes. Sometimes. You know, you know uh, it's better than anybody else. Well, look, you know, again, this is the era we're talking about. We're talking about the fifties and sixties here. Uh yeah, I mean, look at the the acts in those days that were huge. Okay, we you know, we talked about the Ronettes recently, right? Because Ronnie yeah. Spector passed away. Yeah. She didn't see a dime for yeah. decades, okay, until she finally, you know, took Phil Spector to court, her ex-husband. Yeah. And finally got what was coming to her, but it took like, you know, a quarter of a century to get it worked out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in those days, people were naive. They, they signed, uh, record deals. Yeah. They signed record contracts that, you know, they were just happy to be there and they thought that that was all that mattered, but you know, it, it wasn't. And then of course, you know, you had guys that, you know, especially in the, in the R&B world, okay, uh, some of these guys were like, you know, a little a little off, a little crazy, okay? Look, yeah. Ike Turner, yeah, yeah, Ike yeah. Turner, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and J- Johnny Ace definitely was a, a bit of a, a rebel rouser, okay? Had a reputation like that. He definitely was a womanizer, like so okay. many people, okay? Um, but... You know, it, 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 how this guy died. I'm not even going to, I'll, I'll, re- I'll reveal it at the end. Let's not blow it now. Okay. Let's, let's talk about this motherfucker and let's, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> okay. Because this is, this is, I think this is a story that you couldn't make this shit up. If you yeah. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of controversy around it because people kind of get it wrong. Okay. And they, they, they turn it into something else. But when I get to the end, and you see how he does die, you're going to go, oh, my God, okay? So, <laughs> now, like you said, he was he was born John Marshall Alexander. And, again, a shout-out to Eric Walter for requesting this one. Yeah. Um, he was born on June 9th, 1929, in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, he was the son of a preacher, and he grew up near uh, LeMoyne-Owen College. It was a big college in that area. Uh, he dropped out of high school to join the Navy, um, now this, you know, the story is, is that he got somebody pregnant. Okay. And was kind of like forced to marry her, but yep. you know, took off to join the Navy, had, had the kid, the kid was there. He stayed with this woman for a while, um, had other kids, I think one or two other children, 
but he basically lived his own life. He didn't have any, any yeah. much to do with her, you know. Now he joined the Navy, but most of the time that he was in the Navy, he went AWOL. Okay, <laughs> part partying and whatever. And he was ridiculous. He didn't wind up in jail. Yeah, well, he, I, I think he did a couple of times, you know, but he would have been, eventually be discharged. And he, you know, he could play piano. Music was something that he was always interested in. And he became a pianist for the Adolph Duncan Band, which was a popular band in Memphis at the time. Um, they would play around the Beale Street area in Memphis uh, where, you know, all the, the clubs were, still are, if you've ever been to Memphis. Okay, I now. I wonder why it was the Adolph Duncan Band. If you know what I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he spells it A D O L P H. A little different. Hey! A little different. A little different. <laughs> now, on Beale Street in those days, there would be people that would play for money just in the street. Okay. And uh, some of these guys ended up being, you know, big, big stars. B.B. Uh, King was one, uh, Bobby Bland, Junior Parker, Earl Forrest, Roscoe Gordon. Um, they were, you know, they would be called the Beale Streeters, okay? And they would, you know, not really be a band, but they would play on each other's records and kind of be like this, you know, mishmash of guys that would play together. Now, in 1951, Ike Turner. Ike is always involved in some kind of nonsense, right? He uh, was a talent scout and a producer for a company called Modern Records at that time. And he he arranged for John Alexander, okay? He wasn't using the name Ace yet. He uh, arranged for Alexander to kind of like play piano and play on B.B. King's records, Okay, and record on Turner's label that he had. Um, now he would back BB King a lot also on uh radio shows. There was a radio station called WDIA out of Memphis that BB King would, would play often, I think almost weekly. And uh, wow. John, Johnny Ace, you know, backed him up again, not using the Ace name yet, he was just Johnny Alexander. But when B.B. King left for Los Angeles and Bobby Bland left that B.B. King group, Alexander took over, all right? Wow. Uh, he took over Bland's vocal duties. Vocal, He used to sing. And he also took over the radio show on WDIA. So he was starting to get to be well-known when that happened. Yeah. Um, there was a program director at WDIA named David James Mattis. And he founded a company called Duke Records. Now, he has claimed that he gave Johnny Ace his name. Okay. Wow. Uh, there was a, an artist at the time that was popular named Johnny Ray. And then there was a, a, a singing group, an R&B group at the time called the Four Aces. So yeah. they he combined the two. Now, over the years, uh, Alexander's brother, uh, a man named St. Clair Alexander. He claimed that the singer came up with the name himself or at least just wow. the ace, the ace part of it. So we don't really know. 
Okay, we don't really know exactly how we yeah. got the name. Just sounded cool, you know. It did sound very cool. Yeah. Now he signed to Duke Records in 1952, and immediately released his first recording. It was called "My Song," and it was a ballad that topped the R&B charts for nine weeks. Okay, beginning in September of of 52, so we had a number one for nine weeks. Um, he wow. began heavy touring, okay, often with um, his friend Willie May, also known as Big Mama Thornton, okay. In the next two years, Ace had eight hits in a row, including Cross My Heart, Please Forgive Me, a song called The Clock, Yes Baby, Saving My Love for You, and Never Let Me Go. Now, you might recognize the name Willie Mae Big Mama Thornton because she did the yeah. original she did the original Hound Dog yep. that Elvis covered. Okay. And he actually plays on that song on piano, backing her backing wow. her band. Now in November of 54, uh he ranked number 16 on the Billboard charts for favorite R and B acts. Okay. Wow. Yeah now his record sold very well. Um, including records he played piano on, like Hound Dog. Okay, Hound Dog was a was a hit, especially on the R and B show. Yep, yep. So he was doing Hound well. Hound Dog. Hound Dog. And you know he had a reputation for being a, a, a ladies' man. Okay, yeah. he had you know a lot of women. I uh, he did have a wife. He did have two kids, and but. You know, he was out touring all the time, doing his own thing. Now, after touring for a year, uh, he went to the uh, City Auditorium in Houston, Texas, on Christmas Day for a gig. This was in 1954. Wow. Now, during a break between sets, because in those days, a lot of artists did more than one set. They would do three in a day, okay? And they would just bring audience, new audiences in and, you know, everybody would see three shows. Um, yeah, see, yeah. Yeah. Now, during a break between the sets, he was seen in his dress, dressing room playing with a loaded thirty-two caliber revolver. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, Why? he was Why? he was known to carry this revolver around when he was driving around or, or being driven from gig to gig. He used to like to stick his gun out the window and shoot stop signs and road signs and all this shit as he was driving by. So you could get the idea. He's a little nuts. Okay. Now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now, the story for years, you know how this is going to end, is that the story for years was that he died from playing Russian roulette. But that wasn't true. Okay. I think he shot himself because he was. Depressed. Well, Willie Mae Thornton was, was in the dressing room with him. Okay. And he thought that the gun wasn't entirely loaded. Like he knew it was a revolver. So he thought he knew where the bullets were in it because you could see them a little bit. Okay. Uh, but he, he, he supposedly pointed at somebody else in the room and didn't pull the trigger. But then he pointed it at himself and pulled the trigger, and it went off, and he blew his blew his head off, basically. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Now, B 
Big Mama Thornton came screaming out of the dressing room saying that he, you know, he had killed himself. And, uh, you know, supposedly he had also bought himself a brand new 1955 Oldsmobile that day, too. Okay, so wow. on top, yeah, I mean, to add insult to injury, on top so of everything. Think- you think this guy was a guy that was willing to commit suicide or was it murder? It could be on the conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, this is just called fu- this is just called fucking up big time. Okay, it's <laughs> it's we not, also call, there's no conspiracy here. We also call this show junk fucks in history. Yeah, this disqualifies. But you right, know you, right, you know what we need to do one day? We need to start drinking. And we should do like a whole version of drug history. Okay. You know, you know I'm down for we, anything. You know when we get down to this shit and we break this shit down like this fucking idiot kid I, and so because he I, was an asshole. The, the, only thing I, the only thing I would hate is if we had, you know, if we recorded it and it was there forever. You know what I mean? How stupid we you are. Know, <laughs> that would that be a gold bar. We'll drink and we start talking about periods in fucking history. Yeah, like yep. the French. Like people don't even realize how much the French helped us during the American Revolution. Absolutely, and they only and did it because they hated the English. And the people don't even realize how much, like George Washington, was a bad general. Well, he lost a lot of battles. One of my best generals is Benjamin Arnold. He fucking turned out. He tried to get West Point. That's that's a, yeah. That's the that's the irony of it. He was actually and a very good like, general. You, go fuck yourself, you fucking well, idiot, that dude. Let me, talk about that shit, but this guy, this guy <laughs> had the fucking world around his arm. This guy could have been one of the greatest musicians of all time, but he was an idiot. Blew his head off. Blew his fucking head off. Now here's the thing. Now he he was so loved, okay, that five thousand people attended his funeral on January second, nineteen fifty-five, uh, in Memphis. Okay, it was in Memphis, and he was laid to rest in the New Park Cemetery in Memphis. Now everybody says, "Well, I don't know any songs by Johnny Ace," but the song that everybody knows, even if you don't realize it, is a song called "Pledging My Love." Okay, and it was released a couple of weeks after he died. All right, and it was a number one hit on the R&B charts for 10 weeks in a row, beginning February 12th, 1955. It actually got into the Billboard pop charts and did well there, okay? Um, And he became the very first pop star to get on Billboard after he died. Wow. That's, yeah. that's pretty amazing. But do you do you know that song? Because it's been in a million movies. Do you remember? Do you remember the the song? Remember Bad Lieutenant? Oh yeah, Bad Lieutenant had a great song. Yeah, remember the scenes when Kaitel's like in the whorehouse and he's naked, drunk, wasted, dancing like this, and they're playing like this like song in the background. That's pledging my love. The, I think it's also oh in it, it's in it's in Scorsese's uh, Mean Streets, also with Harvey Keitel. It's That's in that movie too. That is so yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a dark scene. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So, all right, so that's it. That's what I got for you, but, Mike. Why do you think these guys, these two very talented musicians, 
Yeah. Why do you think they they were taken out of the game so early? One guy died. The other guy tragedy. Died. Tragedy. Tragedy. I'm sure it's just, you know, outlook Arthur Alexander, you know, at least, you know, he, he lasted a while, you know, and was well a little well known. Johnny Ace was only known for about four years. He kind of kind of rose very quick, but then this tragedy happened. You know, but and he, he was, also died very young. How old was he? Like 25, 24? Yeah, he was 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah, so, and this is a guy that if he would have lived a few more years, he would have been like, holy shit, on top of the Oh, world. yeah, no, no, he would have been, yeah, I mean, he, he could have been, um, well, he was a piano player. He could have been another Fats Domino or something. Who knows? Okay. He would have been better than Fats Domino. He had a great Fats voice. Domino. Yeah, he, he had, had a he had a very good voice and a, a distinctive sound. You could check out his music on YouTube. It's all there. Uh, you know, an important figure. You know, and and actually, you know, they really, by the time he died in 54, the word rock and roll really wasn't used yet. Nah, it, was about, it was about a year. It was about a year away. And uh, he would be considered one of the early deaths in, in, in rock and roll, if you think about it. Yes. Yeah. Mike, I'm gonna ask you a tough question, although you can answer. Who you think would have been a bigger impact? Um Arthur Alexander, Alexander or, or Ace? Ace? Alexander. Arthur Alexander. Alexander, Alexander lived longer, but Johnny Ace had the fucking music. I, you know, I, I, I don't know from from what I understand. Died. From what I understand about Johnny Ace, I think he was kind of destined to go down in some tragic way. Okay, uh, he was he was a bit of a rebel rouser. He probably, I mean, you got a guy driving around shooting stop signs all day long. You know, it's like they're, they're, you're bound to do something stupid. But Arthur Alexander that was like, like, that. Sounds like us on the weekend. <laughs> I've, been, I've been known to shoot some stop signs. I don't know. Um, no, so yeah, so you think Alexander would have been the biggest? Yeah, I think the body of work, just as it was, I mean, was pretty amazing, and he influenced the people that influenced thousands. Okay, wow. so he really is a, a pioneer, as good as you know, a blues pioneer is as good as uh, you know, any of them. Okay, uh, yeah. Robert Johnson, uh, Sun House, you know, uh. B.B. Uh, King, you know, uh, he, he's a little less well-known, but if you listen to his music, it's really right there with all that right stuff. There. Yeah, right with there. all that stuff. I mean, anybody that anybody that the Stones in 64 were, were considering to cover was oh, a major yeah. influence. Well, yeah, a major influence on what they were doing. So uh, it's important. And the Beatles, too. I don't think there's anybody else that was covered by the Beatles and the Stones. Wow. Saying, you know, I can't think of any act that they covered together, you know, but they did. That's, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, I got to thank you for all the people that send their requests. This is another uh, viewer request show. And Mike went out there, did the work, studied you guys. But this is guys that we probably would have talked about anyway, you know that? No, it would have it come up. It would have come up. It would have come up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
No, I, th- I think our fans out there, they kind of know where we're coming from. So they requested good yeah. shit, you know. We do have a lot of very cool fans. I got to tell you, the Black History episode that we talked about, holy shit, so much. Which one? Which one? The the one with uh, the the insurrection in New York City. Oh, the conspiracy ones? A real insurrection, not what happened January 6th. It was (laughs) a real insurrection that could have changed the country. Not the shaman with a fucking bullhorns or his hair running around in the Capitol, which was total bullshit. We're talking about we're talking about the uh, the the, uh, cons- the the slave rebellion of 1741. That's what that's what a that real, was. A real rebellion. Yes, it was. That how was a good episode. That, how many people did we hang in January 6th? Nobody. How many people are gonna hang after January 6th? Nobody yet. I guess that's our answer. I mean, I'm sure a few people would like to see them hung. I don't know. But uh got people in jail from that. But um, so Mike, I want to challenge you. We need to do a whole show on this insurrection on January 6th, and we're going to break it down to a team. Well, we have, we have a lot of, you know, the conspiracy shows. We got the stuff with Carl Denaro coming out. Um we got time to do other stuff too. Let's let's do it, man. You know I'm always yeah. up for current events and the conspiracy and going on. You know, but um, I'd like to thank all the people that supported the uh, Ronnie Spector show. I'd like to thank Mike and going out there and talking to our viewers and getting these great shows together. Because at the end of the day, we do a lot of footwork. Yeah, I spent a lot of a lot of time researching things the next show we have is the last fan requested one and that's going to be the making of the beatles white album and we're probably going to have a guest for that one too we'll leave that for a surprise um i'm going to start working on that in a couple of days and uh we'll have that recorded soon for you guys to see at the end of march um you know it's just an endless it's an endless thing keeps keeps just keeps going you know, and it's great. You know what, we got we to pull with such great musicians, but when we get down and we talk about a topic or we talk about some musician, we really break it down to a T to like people say, how the hell do you guys know this? And um, the only reason I know half of the stuff that I know because uh, Mike pushed me to this level. If it wasn't for Mike, I wouldn't have half of the knowledge of the stuff that I did. So I got to thank you, Mike, for You're welcome. Uh, pushing me to that level. And you know, I try to learn, but I'm also a drunk. <laughs> I'm lumped up. <laughs> Listen, sometimes, you know, I'm sitting there drinking scotch or whatever and writing everything up. I'm getting lumped up. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, that's what we do, right? We don't get drunk. Yeah. We get lumped up. <laughs> yeah, but people need to understand this is, a, this is a show that we love to do, and we want you people to feel the same thing. We want you to come on this journey with us. Because we talk about music, we talk about certain things, and sometimes well, it's controversial. Sometimes people don't like what we say because they think, oh, blah, blah, blah. You think. But at the end of the day, people are listening and people do love the show. And I, I, I agree. I've, I've gotten so many compliments. People private message me, thank me, uh, people from other countries. I can't believe it, okay? Uh, sometimes people from uh, the UK, even Sweden, commenting, you know, you guys did it. You, yeah, yeah. You guys have a great show. We listen to it. Look, I mean, 
when we started doing this, it's been three years now. Okay, yeah. we, we 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 had an idea of we're gonna have two guys, uh, just sitting around, maybe getting a little lumped up, but sitting around talking about music, and we I think we've kept that idea that theme. Okay, uh, sometimes for a while, COVID didn't make us always together, but we're still doing our thing at the same time. And, um, you know, then it changed into two more shows on top of that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. You know, I thank you too, Rob. I mean, you brought me into all this. This was your, this, this was your baby. This was your baby. You came to me. But look at the people we interview. We have met some legends. Just yeah, we have yeah. met some legends and we had talked to people that everybody's like, how the hell do you guys get that on this guest? And at the end of determination. Day, I Mike. Mike. Yeah, I mean, well, de determination. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it you know the power I mean, you know, the power of social media, you know, you can you could reach out to people and it's like it's like fishing, you know, you just kind of like take a shot. There's times I've, I mean, you know, I've, I've sent many messages out to people, never heard back. But then sometimes one will be like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do a podcast. Holy shit. You know, guy yeah, from Badfinger, you know, or whatever, yeah. whatever. You know, and we, we, we've yeah, interviewed some Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members. Yeah, he was great. You know, we've talked to other people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and uh, <clears throat> I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful, you know. But well, what we need conspiracy. You got caught up. You get some people too for conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I do it the same that. way. I do it the and, same uh, way. And you know what? People like the people like our stars are reporting because we just tell you a story. We tell you what it is. Then once you're done with us, you can look it up and figure out a lot more. Listen to the music. Listen yeah. to the story. Go out there. We we start you in a journey, but at the end of the day, you need to finish that journey and listen to these people, well, listen to the music. They'll be like, "Wow, I can't believe that I learned this much from these guys, and I want to know more about this fucking guy." Well, you know, I I kind of had a, a a method to my madness. Okay, is you know, rock and roll is just not in the public conscience anymore. No. So when you wanted to do a show, um, do dealing with this. I wanted to put it in a way to kind of educate people on whoever we're talking about, but also get them interested in it. That they, they want to look up that person. That they, right, that they want to look up, buy a CD, buy a Greatest Hits or something, check it out. And, you know, my musical tastes are all over the place. So I, I think I hit, you know, we hit a lot of people. That maybe, you know, if we had just done punk music, I think we, we wouldn't have lasted three years. Okay. No. But we did, you know, but we do all different kinds of stuff that, you know, and and 99% of it is stuff that I'm into. Okay. But so you know I miss a lot show, of. You know what's a show we should tackle? We should try to do a run DMC show. We did a run DMC show. You're crazy. Remember? No, but I mean, we need, we need one like the making of one of the albums. Oh, okay. But we, we did it two, two years ago. No, we didn't run this shit. We talk about history, but we need to do yeah. like a making of making of an album. Because the they've done some great albums. Yeah, we could do that. We can return we back to that. Boys. We did the Beastie Boys. We did Run DMC. Dude, well, you really want you, to tackle something? Why don't we tackle the Wu-Tang Clan and then we all go to the Zombies? 
All right. I mean, look, we're, you know, I'm going to be announcing new shows. I'm going to be announcing new shows soon anyway, okay, for April going forward. So we'll we'll consider all that. But we uh, tackle. We got there's a lot of shit we got to tackle. There's so yeah. much music that we ha- we haven't even touched because you know what we have such a big library of so yeah. much shit, but we got to break it down to the things that people like, like the Ramones. Rick, we're gonna interview uh, Rick Fox, and he talk about hanging out with the Ramon and hanging out in yeah. Maxis, Kansas City. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> we right. got, That's we got a whole library of shit with that that we could talk. Totally. About. Totally. That that interview is great. Yeah. You know, you know, so, you know, we, we're just touching into certain things and people don't even know how much more stuff we can reach because we're getting there. We got the connection. We got the vibe. Rock and Mike has been going out, getting great interview, talking to people. And I got to thank you. Thank you for all the great interview and people that you're getting. And thank you too, Rob. You're a great partner. Couldn't do it without you, uh, man. You're the man. You're the guy behind the scenes, man. Yeah, but you're the guy that can talk. I'm the guy that. <laughs> <laughs> so, All um, right, so let's wind this down. So this is the big show to tell in our fans. Thank you, thank you for your support. We look forward for many more years of doing this show, and we hope you can support us to the point. That you can, we're gonna get sponsors, and you guys can support our sponsor, support what we do, and we'd like to thank you. Thank you. And that's what Mike does once a year. Mike takes the best um, request, the, uh, fan requests, and he puts a list together. Of maybe well, the next, the next one is the things. the next one is the making of the White Album by the Beatles. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, that well, is that the last one? It's the last one. So, uh, guys, if it wasn't for you, these shows would have happened. So, we got to thank you for your support. And, um, you know what? I got to say, um, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be doing this. And we do it for you guys because we want you to feel appreciated. We do stuff for the fans that they got the voice that the other people don't listen to. It's great that everybody's listening to somebody getting shot in the corner that's a rapper but we don't talk about guys like that <laughs> no need to talk about uh-huh. that nonsense because you text me the other day about wavy navy poo <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about what the hell is this guy Wait. Oh, is this guy's a menu on Wendy? I have no idea who the fuck this guy is. <laughs> All right, man. So, is that thing, Mike? How can people reach you? You can find me on Instagram, Rocker Mike two one two. You can find me on MeWe and Clout Hub under Rocker Mike. You can find me on Facebook under Rocko Mike. Rocko Mike. And then the Rock Show Podcast group page, of course, on Facebook. Check that out, too. How about you, Rob? So I got to tell you, savages, you can find my Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, under Getting Lumped Up, and reach out to me. And if you guys got any ideas, shows, or guests we can interview, just shoot us an email at Rocko Mike or Rob Rossi, and we will gladly talk to the person. And I got to say, guys, 
We don't get drunk. We get lumped up. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Take care, people. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.